Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. When it comes to our healthcare system, folks, I mean, we can debate about what's reasonable in terms of a weight. If you got to get a, a hip replacement or some kind of surgery, but this this aspect of the healthcare system, when you need emergency care, when you pick up the phone and dial nine one one, that's maybe the one that that matters most. So we're talking about matters that are life and death, and people having the confidence that when they call nine one one, when they report an emergency, when they say we need an ambulance ASAP that that's what you're going to get. And if we're not able to follow through on that, we're not able to dispatch an ambulance to an emergency, we've got a big problem. So was that the case here in Alberta? And we spoke last week with the Health Sciences Association of Alberta, which represents paramedics. Mike Parker, their president, told us that things are really at a breaking point in Alberta. Well, today, the union released some information that they obtained through a freedom of information request that backs up their concerns. As they detailed today, the number of EMS events in the province increased by almost 20%, which represents about 63,000 calls from the 2012-2013 fiscal year to 2016-2017. During that time period, the number of people in Alberta living here grew by over 500,000. They say the number of ambulances added to meet the increased demand has been fewer than 10. Not enough. Well, our next guest has been watching this situation very closely. Uh, Liberal MLA David Swan joins us uh, this afternoon. Dr. Swan, welcome to the program. Hey, Rob. Good to be with you. So what do you make of these numbers? Well, they're part of a, an ongoing crisis that we've been following for almost a decade, Rob, where EMS folks have been calling us and telling us stories about increased risk on the front lines, not only for patients, but for them when they're stretched and stressed and trying to get responding to emergency calls under 12 minutes. It used to be under eight minutes that was the target. Now it's under 12 minutes, but they're stretched to get to many emergencies under 12. So you say this has been brewing for a decade at least. Yes, the the growing numbers and the the growing distress uh, both in the EMS community and anecdotal reports from individuals such as a guy who contacted me today saying that he waited 27 minutes after a heart attack in Calgary to get an EMS response. Is it just a question of resources or is it a question of administration? What, what seems to be a, the root of the problem as you see it? It's all of the above. Um, as we indicated through our uh, Freedom of Information request, uh, over 650,000 hours are spent just waiting in emergency to EMS staff standing in emergency with their patient who may or may not be that urgent may simply need to be uh, having an assessment of an injured foot or leg uh, 
and is not in such great distress, but may, they may spend hours there waiting for a nurse to finally get the time to come over and transfer authority from the EMS staff to the nurse. 650,000 hours in a year, uh, that's la- uh, 2016 numbers, that translates to over $20 million in a year of, of, of our high-priced, high-trained EMS staff just standing around. Right, waiting in in um, an emergency room. So how do we how do we deal with that side of it? Well, there have been many good suggestions made, and other uh, jurisdictions have solved it. Um, it's about staffing appropriately in the emergency room with nursing and, and medical teams. Uh, it's about uh, ensuring that people uh, have round-the-clock uh, services in their communities. Uh, that we're working in doctors' hospitals longer than just. Uh, 10 to 4 or 10 to 5, uh, that people have access to urgent care after hours. It means uh, clearing out some of the beds so that uh, people aren't backlogged in emergency when they really should be in hospital, while some of the long-term folks, uh, up to 20% of hospital beds are taken up by long-term folks who can't, can't find a place in the community. So there are a number of areas there that need to have serious a uh, serious look but it's clear to me that there are solutions, and this government, this this administration, this Alberta Health Services leadership is not getting to them. And with the situation in Calgary just recently, of course, with the snowfall, a number of accidents, a number of things going on, where we were in this this code red situation where we didn't have uh, enough ambulances to respond, uh, so we're pulling in ambulance for, uh, ambulances from outside of Calgary. These these numbers released today by the uh, Health uh, Sciences Association show that this happens thousands of times. Not only are our ambulances having to be pulled into Calgary from rural areas, ambulances from inside Calgary are going out to areas outside of Calgary, and it can leave other jurisdictions in the lurch. That's right. It's, it leaves the surrounding communities vulnerable, and, and that's not fair. I guess um, the backstop, uh, to some extent, has been the fire department <clears throat> that often gets to a scene before the EMS does. Unfortunately, they at least have basic cardiac life support and, and can manage uh, in an acute emergency with resuscitation and so on, but... Uh, we have to do better by our EMS staff. They're stressed, they're stretched, they're doing thousands of hours of overtime every year. That in, indicates also that the system is under-resourced. When you do overtime, it means extra stress on you and your family. It means health issues. It means more sick leave. Uh, it's, a, it's a vicious cycle if we don't get ahead of this. Right. Well, we got a budget coming down uh, this week, of course, and I mean, it seems to be one of those areas that needs attention, but we just don't have the money to do it. Where, I mean, where should this rank right now on, on the list of priorities? Well, this has to be a top priority. I mean, when you can't respond to a, a heart patient who's just had a critical incident, a heart attack, and has, is fibrillating on the floor, uh, you have to be there within eight minutes if you're going to actually save the life. Uh, in, in the case I mentioned earlier, his daughter had trained in, in life, basic life support and was able to keep him going until the emergency crew arrived, <coughs> uh, fire department first, and then the emergency crew arrived 27 minutes after the call. So these are life-threatening events. This has to take uh, a high priority for a budget, and uh, these folks deserve better in terms of uh, patient care, and, and the staff deserve better in terms of working conditions. Of course, what we're dealing with right now is this ongoing opioid crisis that you've spoken a lot about. I mean, in a lot of ways, paramedics are really on the front lines of this this crisis, responding to overdose calls and 
saving lives, being able to, to administer naloxone and, and try to, to prevent overdoses from becoming fatal. How has that exacerbated this situation? Well, good point, Rob. Absolutely. The opioid crisis, the increased mental illness in our society and crises in, in homes and workplaces and communities, <clears throat> the EMS are often called to help out with those as they should be. Uh, many of these are not police issues, they're, they're health issues, and um, they should be the ones there to help out with the immediate needs and the transfer to appropriate care in hospital or in urgent care. I, I, would, I would highlight that the minister yesterday did say uh, in my questions to her about this crisis that she wants EMS workers to take more responsibility and to expand their role to what we call full scope of practice. So she wants the EMS team to make a decision out in the field whether the person even needs to get to emergency. Unfortunately, the AHS administration don't have not been giving that freedom to their EMS workers to make those decisions in the field. And I think that's, that's really poor. Uh, they don't trust their EMS frontline workers to make those decisions. Therefore, we're getting a significant number of people getting into emergency rooms that don't need to be there, that could have been managed in the community. They have been given that authority. They're a professional group on their own, and they should be allowed to do more decision-making out in the community. That would reduce pressure as well. Indeed. Well, certainly a situation that needs to be addressed. Uh, Dr. Swan, thanks for joining us here today. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Take care. That is uh, Dr. David Swan, Alberta Liberal MLA for Calgary Mountain View, and his uh, fourth term as an MLA, recently announced, of course, uh, not running again in next year's election. Uh, 974-8255. As mentioned, we got a budget coming down on Thursday, and look, the NDP being pulled in a lot of different directions. But in terms of our overall fiscal picture... What are we expecting? When can we expect a return to ballots? Uh, the finance minister dropping some hints today. We'll touch on that. A lot more still to come here this afternoon. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.